welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and with me, my buddy, my co-host, roller derby extraordinaire, Chris Pennant. How you doing, man? Roller derby extraordinaire. I like that. I wish I was a roller derby coach extraordinaire. <laughs> I'm good, man. Always glad to be on the show. Yeah, man. I'm. We've been trying to figure out a way to record these pods without them being completely outdated by the time we upload them. So, you know, I think we, we're going with a different format today, which I'm excited about. Um, we kind of decided to steal or, you know, Chris, let's just say borrow um, from Zach Lowe's popular column. You know, the famous what likes and don't likes column that he does that he does for the NBA. I don't know if you know this, uh, Zach. Chris, but Zach Lowe is actually friends with Megan Rapino and Sue Bird, and he's actually had them both on his podcast too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I highly recommend you know those interviews because they're such a hoot. Sue Bird and Megan Rapino. I mean, I I've always missed out on those IG live conversations, and um, you know, being able to hear them talk about what they're doing is always again they're just so fun, and they're able to talk about serious things and a lighthearted way, which I just love. Um, but, you know, outside of that little tangent, we are going to do a segment called likes and don't likes. And, you know, basically Chris and I are just going to go back and forth on what we like about this guy's play so far and what we don't like. Um, so we're recording this the day after they are coming, well, I guess we're recording this, like they're coming off of a revenge win versus the Mercury and I believe, so there's, they stand at six and three, and I believe they are now fourth in the WNBA in the standings. Is that correct, Chris? I think it might actually be tied for third, but that was, you know, that was before play starts today. Because there's, there's a, a bit of a log jam with, with teams playing so many games in such a short span of time that the rankings, uh, the standings update almost daily. So, right, yeah, they're, they're third right now. Uh, but that's because the Aces and Lynx are six and two uh, right, right. before the start of play today. Well, they're going to be in a different position probably by the time we are finished with this podcast. Uh, but they are in, you know, one of the top teams in the league once again. And so we're nine games into the season, approaching that halfway mark, which is just so bizarre considering that it just feels like we just started things back up again with basketball. But um, here we are, almost fifty percent of the way there. Chris, let's get into this segment. Um, we're just going to go back and forth on some of these things. And let's just start off about what we like about the Sky's play so far. What's your first thing that you have enjoyed and hope the Sky continue doing this season? Well, especially last game uh, against the Mercury, they found ways to score without shooting the three ball effectively. They were one for 11 from outside the arc. I think uh, Kalia Copper had the only three. It was, it, was, it was that kind of a game. Allie Quigley, um, I don't believe she hit one all night long, but she still led the team with 20 points. And it's an overlooked statistic for Chicago because they're known as a three-point shooting team with Courtney, with Allie, with Steph. And now this season, Kalia Copper is able to hit the outside shot. Uh, Cheyenne and Gabby Williams, though teams are playing her a little bit clo uh, more closely now, they score a lot of points in the mid-range. They even last year, hit a lot of points, hit a high percentage of their points in the mid-range, doing uh, jump shots, uh, just getting free off of slip screens, flare screens, things like that. And so last night, they benefited from Phoenix not being able to uh, attack the ball handlers in the same way that they did last week, in the way that Seattle did, in the way that Minnesota did, in the way that even Las Vegas did at times where they forced the sky to pick up their off to start their offense harried and about 35, 36 feet away from the basket. So they were able to get ball screens, get Allie quickly free. She was more aggressive with her shot, getting into that space between the arc and the paint and Kalia copper uh, got into the paint on nearly at will. When Sophie Cunningham was on her, the dinner bell rang. That's, that's <laughs> what it would, that's what it was like. So I, I was really impressed with that. And I'm, I'm impressed with the Sky's offense, as, as I think a lot of teams have been all season long. The 71 points they had against uh, Seattle was very out of character for them. They've been one of the highest scoring teams in the league since James Wade came in. And what they've been able to do the past couple of games, the Phoenix game notwithstanding, 
is score more efficiently by getting to the free throw line. They're getting more calls mm -hmm. now. And whether that's a result of the film, the footage that Coach Wade sent to the league, or whether that's, you know, a result of us screaming about how the sky aren't getting many free throws, you know, if the league is listening to us, which thank you, if the league is listening to us, get some merch in the stores. Uh, but they, I, I love their efficient offense. And mm -hmm. I, I love the, the tenacity that they showed on a night when they weren't hitting the shots that they would like to have. I'm going to just lead into my first thing then, because it really does align with what you just said. I mean, the sky are one of the best offensive teams in the league. I think they're averaging over 86 points a game this year, like this year despite having that 71-point performance. They are doing this with Diamond hindered by injuries and Steph being out for a long period of time. And they still have five players that are averaging over 10 points per game. And the thing that I like about this guy so far this season is that they just believe in their system. And they're doubling down on it That from like what they did last year. And what's great about it, and just going off of that point, is just they inserted Kalia Copper into Diamond spot, and she's averaging over 14 points per game, which is actually just like two points below Diamond's 16-point mark from last year. So she really has been able to fill in despite Diamond being on restricted minutes and not really being able to just go – full force ahead here and same goes with Cheyenne you know the sky just have believed in her more and they've had to obviously with some of these injuries but I mean she's still averaging 13-6 and I mean we've already talked about Gabby's improvement at length in previous pods so I won't bore the fans um, or listeners I should say with that but I would be remiss if I didn't mention her contributions that they do go beyond the stat sheet and you know she's hovering around that 10 points per game mark as well so this team has talked about how they are coming in to the wobble with more maturity and they just have a different energy this year. And in this situation, I just really like how they're showing on and off the court that they just believe in themselves and what they're doing and just kind of staying the course, knowing that they can make a deep playoff run and that maybe last year's ending, which we don't need to talk about from she who must not be named was just more of a fluke than really than it being indicative of what they can do in the playoffs. So that's my first thing that kind of crosses over with your first thing. So um, that de you definitely see that on the court whenever you see this team play. But what's your second thing that you like about the sky so far this season? Well, it's it's hard to to get around that um, because that that means so much to them. Not only the continuity, but the belief in that what they're doing is going to lead them to the ultimate goal. But I, I like the things, some of the, some of the individual things that they're doing on defense. I know that the team isn't happy with their defense. Uh, they're still near the bottom in offensive rebounds, and they're not great in a, in a few major defensive categories. Uh, we can get into that another time. But defensively, they're stout, especially in the post um, against bigs. Ruthie Hebbard's been such a great, not a surprise, because we saw what she could do at Oregon. But I think uh, at Oregon, she was so much the beneficiary of their high-powered offense and her ability to run the floor, uh, take passes from Sabrina and Satu, that we neglected to think about her defense and her uh, rebounding ability. She helps the team control the glass. She's tenacious on the defensive end. She's just as tenacious on the offensive end. And now the team is starting to trust her, and this is going back into the offense. But they're trusting her on pick and rolls, which mm -hmm. is not something that you saw at the beginning of the season when she was getting you know, five or six minutes a night. Now that's kicked up to 10 or 11 or even 15 in some cases because the team, because the coaches and staff can trust her against players like a Brittany Griner or like a Nafisa Collier to hold her own. Uh, but that's one individual player. I think what I, what I like from them on defense is that they don't, the first couple of games, they were getting themselves into bad situations, either by the circumstances of the lineup or by getting beat on mismatches. Uh, the Minnesota game and the Las Vegas game, Gabby Williams got switched on to post players who were taller than her a lot, uh, whether that was Damaris Dantas or Angel McCautry when she went down to the box or Aja Wilson. And Kalia Copper got uh, stuck with that assignment a couple of times too. Now what I see them do, I think they're forcing – the opponent pick and roll towards the side more towards the, uh, the elbow part of the arc, which doesn't give the roller a lot of room. They either have to circle back to the middle of the floor where help can come 
and at least um, deny the, the entry pass or where they have to go through traffic and then the sky can rotate a lot more. And there's been a couple of times specifically where I saw it with Ruthie in the game where Chicago basically denied the mismatch or the switch of Ruthie onto like a Sylvia Fowles or I, I think Brianna Stewart once in the Seattle game where they forced the pick and roll to the side and the the uh, the uh, the screen player hedged to trap the ball long enough for player for the uh, pass to be denied and as soon as the offensive player looked to another uh, another spot everybody switched back to their original assignments so they're not allowing themselves to get caught in mismatches in difficult situations which is something that a defense has to do the mystics are on a downslope right now but that was so much their calling card they had so much height and so many players who could come off the dribble at so many positions specifically Emma Mieseman that teams found themselves in mismatches all too often either they had to go with a smaller player that was quicker or they had to go with a taller player who was slower and the sky aren't allowing themselves to get caught in that because they're not the tallest team they're not the most athletic team but they have that at different positions and so they're able to guard well when they play smart I think and um the other thing is that their rotations, for the most part, are, are good and getting better. There was a sequence last night where uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith, I think, had a step towards the baseline. And I cannot remember exactly who the player was, but she immediately came up to challenge. Uh, so where Skylar would have had a free run to step left and get into the paint for like a left-handed layup or a hook shot, they forced her baseline and she had to kick a pass towards the right, uh, towards the opposite corner. And Kalia Copper rotated from the top of the key to knock that ball away. And the Sky were out on a break after that. Uh, I, I know um, the Mayor, Mayor Lori, Redhead Lori, noticed that specific instance. But if you watched the game last night, uh, call it up. I believe it was in the third quarter. So I like those things that the Sky are doing a lot on defense. Totally. And the thing is that with the stretch of games that they're going through right now, it's really hard to figure everything out on defense when you're just – you have – one day of practice and then you move right back into the next game and then you repeat that process over and over and over again. I mean, that's just for them to show some improvement is really big for them in that area of their game, because you're right. They, they have lacked that a little bit. They are still allowing a good amount of points in the paint, but you know, they are showing improvement in all the, what's really going to matter at the end of the day here really is how they perform in the playoffs. So if they're peaking at the right time, a little bit farther down the stretch, I think, they're in a really good position because the offense does hum. And, you know, speaking of that, um, but my next thing is just with this offense, they just know how to strike at the right moment in crunch time. So I was doing a little bit of research for an article I wrote for Windsider that should be coming out Flex. later this See, week. Flex on Got to promote the content out there, man. Um, but since 2019, the sky are 18 and 10 in games decided by five or less points. And, you know, defensively, again, I know that we've talked about how they need to improve and like we, like we just did, but like they're also holding opponents to the lowest field goal percentage in the league in crunch time. And they're holding opponents to 34.4% from the field. So, you know, the, again, defense still giving up points down low, but for some reason, when it gets to the final five minutes of the game, opponents are just not as effective against this team. And we've kind of seen it time and time again already where someone is also just ready to take the big shot. And so, if, I mean, if the Sky are working, are able to, like, figure things out on defense during that, like, in the last five minutes, I mean, we, the offense has proven that there's multiple weapons that can, that you really don't know how to game plan against this team in the, in, for, like, that final last second shot um, because it can come from anyone. I mean, we've seen it from Sloot. We've seen it from Gabby. We've seen it from Allie this year. They have big-time players that are willing to take that shot. And the statistics back up that they are a team that if they just keep it close outside of that 35 minute period where they have been a little bit up and down, um, especially when Courtney Vandersloot's not in the court and that's, we'll get to that a little bit later, but third, that's a really tough team to beat in the last five minutes of the game. And, you know, they've shown that in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard when you have players who are so, decisive and explosive at the right times 
you know, Courtney last night focused on scoring a lot. And in the Minnesota game, they had three great shots to tie the game. And those are players who you trust to hit that shot. Courtney Vandersloot and Gabby Williams. They, they ran a play last year. They ran the same play to get Gabby uh, the exact shot that she got. She was just off target. Courtney was short on a couple of layups. One of them was challenged very well by um, the rookie Herbert Harrigan. You have players available to take that shot at nearly every position. Uh, and one that's really built off Courtney Vandersloot, building up that trust in everybody on the floor at mm-hmm. any given time. I wouldn't be surprised to see them run a play for Ruthie at the tail end of a game, the way that the sky They run 10 deep. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, the players who you can trust to get an open look or if they feel that they can manipulate the defense in any, in any certain way, anytime you can, you can get any one of those 10, those nine or 10 players, a, a good look to get a basket when you need it. Now there's teams who can trap that Vegas, you know, considering that they lost that game, they did pretty well at giving Allie Quigley the toughest shot. And she's just a shot maker. She hit that shot. But there's teams like Seattle who are going to make make things very difficult in those moments. But the the trust that the distributors have and the unwillingness, I think the selflessness, which is one of the dislikes that I'm actually going to come up with in a second, mm-hmm. the selflessness that the team has that not anybody, save for Diamond when she's right, is going to force a shot in the closing seconds unless they're forced into it they're not going to play one-on-one unless it's absolutely necessary you know a hundred percent and again i can't say enough how important it is to have 10 players that you can count on and ruthie hebert especially has become that player we talked with james wade a couple weeks ago like before one of those games where he said that she was still earning the trust of the coaching staff to get extended minutes and you know, she played extended minutes against the best team in the league right now. And I think that, I mean, if, you, if you're a player on any team, you want to play for a coach that is willing to recognize your talent and isn't going to keep you on the bench just because you're a rookie or because there is a veteran in front of you who has worked hard to get minutes. Like James Wade has proven that like, hey, if you're cooking, we're going to keep you out there. And that is something that, especially for a player like Ruthie, who like, you don't know if you're going to get two minutes in a game or if you're going to get 15. So just to know that just that she can prepare to be ready at any point to go in and play minutes and know that it can happen on any night. I mean, that just helps you being able to prepare and play well in those type of games. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've instilled that within her. Can't say, can't say more than that. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> now that we've talked about the positive things with the Chicago Sky, I mean, again, they are 6-3. and three, And, I mean, again, every team has holes to fill. You know, the Chicago Sky are no exception to that right now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the things that we don't like. Chris, what's your first thing that you want to offer up? Turnovers. You yeah. know, I, I hate to take it out of your hands, but turnovers. They've got to figure out a way to take care of the ball more. And that's saying something because every press conference that we've had since the start of the season, when it's been, especially when it's been brought up, sometimes when it hasn't been, they've emphasized the fact that they're working on taking care of the ball more. And they're still averaging 18, possibly more turnovers per night. They did have 15 against Phoenix. That was a lot better. I didn't see a lot of unforced errors in the same way that they had against um, other teams and against Phoenix last week. But turnovers as I know you're going to bring up in a second is important for a team with championship aspirations. It's important for teams who want to contend period. I think sometimes they get into the habit of trying to make the extra, extra pass. You know, you hear teams praised for making the extra pass, passing up a good shot for a great shot. Sometimes the sky think they have a great shot and they don't, but the defense, they put the defense out of position so much that they think that the spot is there and it's not. It's really hard to describe. It doesn't sound like it makes any sense. But just imagine the fact that if you force a defense to over-rotate and you slip somebody back into the weak side, that's Mm -hmm. actually now the strong side. (laughs) So the defense has 
players there that either shouldn't be or that they wouldn't expect to be. And sometimes they just try to force passes into an area that's not open mm-hmm. because they think they can make the pass. There's a lot of times where they can. They can bounce a pass through traffic to get a player on the run. Uh, but sometimes it's just not there. Sometimes it's just not available. And so I, I would love to see sometimes players take a shot when they have it. As long as they have rebounders to crash the boards, which they're doing better at, they can, they can get a better chance at offensive rebounds. But you'd rather have a shot than a turnover, even if, it's, even if it's a shot that won't go in. As long as you have the personnel ready to go up and try and get a putback or try and continue the possession. So I'll just add to that because you're right. Those goddamn turnovers, man, they, that's, that's definitely the, the number one thing that I don't like about this team right now is just, you know, before – I don't want to be just negative here. Just a quick caveat to this. I mean, this team has only played 44 games together, like since James Wade took over the Chicago Sky. So they're still figuring things out. I think they've even said in, in post-game press conferences just like, hey, we're still figuring out our system, which I think – that could be a reason for why they're turning the ball over as much as they are. But they are, like you said, they are averaging more turnovers this year than they did last year. They're, I think they hovered around like 17.7 turnovers per game where they were averaging closer to 15 last year. And that's problematic. I mean, four teams in WNBA history have won the finals averaging over 15 turnovers, turnovers a game. And the last team to do it was the Detroit Shock in 2006. They're no longer a franchise. I mean, basketball has become a game of efficiency more than anything else. And this is the least efficient part of their game, arguably. And, um, you know, they just got to be able to fix that. You can't average 18 turnovers a game. It's just not going to work against some of the best teams in the league. And we we saw that against the Storm, honestly. I mean, they gave up the ball 22 times. And the Storm, who, again – one of the best teams in the league. I mean, they're the best team in the league and one of the best teams we've seen in the last 10 years. I mean, that's a team that you can't cough up the ball as much as they did against the storm. And um, the formula will be to cut down some of those turnovers and get some of those opportunities. Like you said, the shot over a turnover, you're right. I mean, that's, it's so simple. And they're also giving up over 20 points per game off turnovers. So like opponents are able to, take those opportunities and um, they're able to extend their leads over the sky because they're giving up so much off turnovers and they just got to limit that a little bit more if they're going to contend this year. And I, again, still very high on this team. We don't know what it's going to be like, especially on the defensive end where you get diamond back and you get a veteran like step back where they're just more, a little bit more experienced and are able to, I mean, I I love Ruthie and what she's been able to do, but I mean, ideally you do want to give Steph and Cheyenne, more minutes so that they can use more of their energy during those minutes instead of having to be stretched out a little bit, especially in a span like this. And even like someone like Cheyenne, I mean, every time we see her in a press conference, she's icing those knees, um, which makes sense. She plays basketball 11 months out of the year. So, um, you know, I I mean, again, I think this team can fix this. Um, I think it might be fatigue could be a thing, but whatever the reason is, they do have to limit it because WNBA history points to this being something that, teams haven't been able to overcome especially in the last 14 years so and you know um, what else they don't yeah. score a lot when they turn opponents over and that's something that they have to capitalize on as well if they were able to get if they were able to make opponents pay for giving for, for giveaways a little bit more than they have that would even things out a lot but they don't you know they yeah. they had six points off of i think 12 turnovers at some point either versus the mercury or versus, uh, versus the Storm, I actually believe, because they were turning the Storm over uh, a bit at a stretch in the second and third quarters, but they weren't always able to score. Now, some mm-hmm. of that is is the Storm's defense forcing them into deliberation in the half court, and like, we, like we're going to get into, offensive stagnation. But they really need to figure out a way to make people pay for giving them the ball back yeah. more, more often. No, definitely. I'm trying to find that that stat of points per game off turnovers. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I think it's just something that they have to figure out if they're going to continue forward. And again, I think Diamond playing more minutes, like if she's going to double her minutes, and we've seen so many times this season where she just destroys someone on the perimeter and is able to turn that into an easy transition basket. And once they get Diamond playing closer to 30 minutes a game or 
you know, I don't know how much, like how many minutes she's going to play leading up to the playoffs. Cause maybe James Wade, since they are a team that runs 10 deep, that maybe they are able to maybe not rely on diamond as much and get to the playoffs without necessarily having to push diamond too hard, because it's not just the knee injury. I think that's been kind of lost, especially when we talk about diamond's health is just when Holly Rowe reported on opening day that diamond was coming off the bench. She said that it was a knee injury, but it was also some other little injuries um, that she was trying to get back from. So, you know, it might not just be that knee. And again, that's, I, I mean, I'm not reporting that. I mean, I think this, we haven't really heard anything from it. So maybe it is just that knee, but it's kind of odd how that kind of faded away a little bit. And we just talk about the knee. So if they get diamond back, I think we will see them turn turnovers into points because she's one of the best to do that. But just so that we don't keep going on a tangent here, um, what's your next thing that you don't like? Um, I, I don't like Azura's um, lack of aggression the last couple of days. Uh, it, it somewhat plays into the shortcomings that one of the other shortcomings that she's had this season. Uh, she, on help side defense, on help defense, she's been very good. She uses her height well. She challenges uh, ball hand. She challenges uh, drives to the post. She alters a lot of shots. She helps control the glass. She's willing to get her head under the rim. On ball defense, um, she's poor. <laughs> she's She's been somewhat poor. Some of that is probably um, still just recovery from her injury. It's a foot injury, so she's her lateral movement's not going to be as good as it was. You know, that's pretty simple. That's pretty standard. But she's got to get herself into a better position to defend um, when she switched out onto the perimeter. Which again, the sky tried to limit those opportunities for other teams. But I, I just think that she can do better using her her length and her frame. That even if somebody does get shoulders past her. Um, move move closer enough where she can challenge and not foul. Mm-hmm. Now, out, outside of that, offensively, the team is going to have days where the, the leading score is they, – they want to have the leading score be different because they want to give teams a headache about who to actually focus on. So it's it's not that Azura should be the – sorry. It's not that Azura should be the one <laughs> <laughs> leading the team and scoring night in and night out. But they need her to get those opportunities where she can just take players off the dribble into the post. She did it once in the Phoenix game last night, and it was nice to see. It was very, very good to see that specific determination. She said, I got a mismatch. Give me the ball. I'm going to dribble. I'm going to crab dribble down to the block, and I'm going to get a shot up. But there's times where the double comes over, and she gets shook. And if I think Cheyenne has done very well with this and learning how to pass out of those double teams and find the open player or find the person who can swing the ball to the open player. And maybe it's just some time that Azari needs in the system. But I'd love to see her be more aggressive in getting to her spot on the block and then giving teams and then making teams collapse so the sky can find an open shooter. You can't really see it in the box score. You know, you have to watch these games to really see how – you know, there are times where she just looks so confident and you're like, that's the player I want to give the ball to like multiple times down this stretch. Cause like when she's confident and really getting to the basket, I mean, using her length to her advantage, I mean, she's been fantastic. Um, especially, I mean, the first three games of the season, um, I know she's not going to have performances like that every game just because this team really does emphasize team basketball and that's fantastic. Um, but she has that ability to, get to double figures pretty easily and again some of those shots too man like from three some of them are just missing they're not like they're complete air balls or she's like (laughs) hitting the back of the rim with some of these you know like she's she's like uh her touch is there and I think I do think that some of these shots are just going to start falling a little bit for her but you're right it's an aggression thing and it's why we miss Diamond to Shields who's like the most aggressive player on the team but I guess just going again, the quick caveat is that just to have that player that can show that she can be the leading scorer on any given night also makes this team really hard to game plan against. And I'll get into that with my next point, but um, you're right. I mean, I think Azrae does need to be a little bit more aggressive, but again, I just, the fatigue thing is something I can't get past. I wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, like what the sky started playing her. I know she had 20 minutes in that first, in the season opener, but then she was playing like 32, 35, 27, 29 minutes. And then the last four games, she hasn't played more than 27. So 
I do think that maybe fatigue could be a factor and she didn't like she didn't play basketball for an extended period of time like and not being able to be out on the floor in the in the same schedule that she's accustomed to and that has to make a difference in her productivity I don't actually have that much concerns about Ezra um I just you're right I mean I hope that she does become more aggressive over the next you know 12 games here but like I'm not worried about her because I do think that and this is really a fatigue thing more than anything else. Um, and that's, again, speculation. We haven't really heard her say anything. And we probably wouldn't hear a professional athlete say, like, yeah, I was tired. So this is why I didn't perform up to the standards that I know I can get to. But um, Or do you think it's more than that? I don't want to, like, put words in your mouth either. I mean, do you think that it's fatigue or a mixture of both of the things that we just talked about? Well, like the, the, the late Ed Farmer used to say, uh, diamonds like all of us day to day. And James Wade said after a press conference, when somebody asked, it's trying to see how her knee is the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And I think there's just some days where, like all of us, the things that were working great the one day aren't as aren't as good for you the next. So uh, Diamond's an athlete and a world-class one at that. So there's going to be days where the ice bath and the treatment does its job and she's functioning at something close to 100%. She just won't, she won't have the lift and the explosion um, on the drag step that she would, that we've come to expect. But I think there's days where her speed will be about where it was mm -hmm. and she'll be able to get around defenders in the open floor a little bit more. Uh, and then there's some days where she won't. Mm -hmm. So I, I, we saw it against Connecticut she was fairly explosive. She was getting good lift. Last night, she didn't get that chance to really show it. And I think she picked up some fouls, not early, but around half, uh, close to halftime that limited her a bit. And it just looked like she wasn't, um, I, might be, I might be misremembering this. I, mm -hmm. I remember, I recall instances where she wasn't staying in front of defenders as much as, as she normally would. And Diamond is playing it a little bit different this year. Mm -hmm. She's kind of playing a free safety, laying in the weeds, playing like straight up defense, um, helping deny the deny penetration and force the ball handler back towards the middle. And then she'll pick a spot and try to uh, time a time the, the ball handler's dribble, get a steal, uh, pick them up at half court like she did last night and try and force a turnover that way. So she's playing things smart, and on the other end, she's taking charges a lot more than probably Ugh. any of us would like to see. But I, I really think, to come back to the original point, that there's going to be some days where Diamond's at 85%. There's going to be some days where she's 90. There's going to be some days where she might even be close to 100. And there's going to be some days where she's lesser than that. Yeah, and Wade said that, too. It's not just a gradual climb to being at 100% health. Like you, some days it feels great, sometimes she feels a little bit lower. Again, we've, her minutes have been a little bit inconsistent. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, again, this is just a, such a brutal sport and to have this type of schedule. I mean, I don't know how these players are pulling it off right now because it's, it's a grind. It's just, it's such a grind right now. You know what, let's move to the next point because I, we have to talk about probably like one of the biggest glaring or just the most glaring thing that this guy are dealing with right now. I would argue is the non-sluty minutes. And again, I don't want to just completely give away the, 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 my article here, but just looking at some of the numbers, it's a preview. It's a little preview. I mean, the numbers when Courtney Vandersloot doesn't play are just staggering. And it's so detrimental to the team right now. When Sloot is on the floor this season, the sky have a 12.5 net rating, which is, so that's like double that what it was last year. It was at 6.2 last year. When she's off the floor over the past two seasons, I mean, the team just completely collapses on both ends of the floor, honestly. I mean, they this season, they are minus 34.4. That's their net rating. And that's worse than last year where they had um, a minus 11.8 net rating when she's off the floor. I mean, dude, those are just – I don't even know how to describe it because it's just they, – they can't win – if court, I mean, if, if 10 minutes a game where Courtney's resting, that this team can't find some of the balance that it needs to be successful. I mean, you really, I mean, Courtney Vandersloot just needs to be able to rest at some point in the game, you know, so you can't depend on her in the way that um, 
you know, you can't depend on her for 40 minutes, which makes sense. You don't want to run her into the ground. And um, I do think that having Steph back, especially as a secondary facilitator is going to help. She's is able to create opportunities that just someone who like in the backcourt might not be able to create from where they're at. I mean, I think that Steph is really going to open up some opportunities like she did last year. And um, that's really going to help. But at the same time, they need to alleviate, like, excuse me, they need to alleviate some of the pressure off salute when she's not on the floor. I mean, they need her rested for the playoffs. That is the number one thing right now. They know they can compete in this league. They showed it last year. They showed that they're six and three right now and that they're ready to battle in the playoffs. But at the same time, you need to have your players rested. And um, I don't know where they're going to find that right now because these, again, not, not to give away too much, but the, when you look at this team's backcourt, they just bring something different to the table each time where you see Kalia is more of a slasher who, again, they just give different looks. Like Kalia is a slasher. Gabby is able to do a little bit of everything this year. I feel like Sydney Colson is the most comparable player to Sloot in the sense that she pushes the pace. And I mean, and she's like able to facilitate, she emphasize like her game is just like being able to get everyone open and kind of create opportunities. Um, and I mean, Allie Quigley is not going to be, she's an off ball assassin. That's what I, <laughs> um, I mean, that's what I said in my article. She's an off ball assassin. That's where she should be utilized. So it's like, I don't really know where the primary ball handler when, like, again, Gabby's look great, but I just don't know how this team is going to fix that as quickly as they need to, because the numbers, again, are just staggering when you look at what this team looks like when Courtney's off the court. It's it's hard, because Sid hasn't had a lot of time mm-hmm. to to get oriented to game shape, really. Um, He's never still mind. dealing with fatigue, apparently, from COVID. Yeah, I mean, of course, like she, you know, think think about losing one of your senses and how much that would disorient you from just going about your business and then just being laid up for as long as she was. It's going to take a lot of time for Sid to get back up to running shape. So I thought that her minutes on yesterday were the best that she played so far, which makes sense. She's getting more used to things. But Sid isn't going to be the exact type of player Courtney is. She gained, the Sky are going to gain some on, on perimeter defense, and they're going to lose some on ball distribution and penetration. So I think a lot of it has to come from Gabby, honestly. Mm-hmm. We saw her comfort level earlier in the season, but I think the teams weren't game planning for her as much as they will be now. The three-point shot isn't as open for her. So in the minutes that they have where they have Gabby on the floor with Allie, the Sky can still open things up by running Allie as a decoy, getting things freed up even if they don't have Steph in the game if they have Cheyenne in they can just run alley off screens like you would see with any three-point shooter and try and clear a side and try and get the defense moving and off balance the trouble I think I've seen is when Gabby's off the floor or sorry at when Allie's off the floor as well then teams don't respect the outside shot as much they don't respect the threat of the jump shooter because there is not a reliable jump shooter on the floor for teams to contend with. So they feel like they can trap and press all over the place. And that's when the sky get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix scored four quick points at a certain, uh, at a third during the third quarter and cut the sky's lead down to three or four. And Courtney came right back in the game after being on the bench for maybe a minute. So you're right. It's, I think it's less when they, they don't, they don't, they don't take as much of a step back when Allie's off the floor, but you have to protect those two. They're older. They're they're two of the older players on the roster, and especially in this truncated season where everybody's going full tilt in such a compressed amount of time, they have to get them rest periods when they can. So you're going to need Gabby to be more of a distributor, be more comfortable, even be more forceful with the attack. So it's less it's less about forcing the action and more being able to direct the action where she wants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not necessarily passing the ball off and stepping back to the arc, but sometimes penetrating, drawing the defense, uh, driving kick. I'd like to see Gabby do that more because we know she can drive. Finding Finding the players when she can kick the ball out to the perimeter, get a swing, get the defense off balance. And she's looked excellent with that so far this year too. I mean, some of those passes in the last 
Mercury uh, against the Sun. I mean, she looked really solid in that area of her game, and she's clearly improved. I mean, being overseas and being a primary ball handler over there in France, I mean, that also really helped her, I feel like, just being able to be more comfortable in that role. And um, you're right. I mean, you're right. I think she might be the best – I don't, you can't replace Courtney Vandersloot. You know, you really can't. It makes sense. I know this is going to sound so surface level, but it makes sense why they struggle when you don't have one of the greatest point guards ever on the floor anymore. And, uh, you know, like obviously your, your offense is going to suffer a little bit, but they just can't, they just got to stop the bleeding, I guess. You know, you're not, it's not going to be perfect without Courtney, obviously. She's a, again, I think that she's the most underrated player in the league right now um honestly um we don't talk about her enough and she is someone that you can't replace that easily but if you are going to stop the bleeding and Gabby did this a little bit last season too um I think you're right she is someone that should be able to fill the void and again the flash not even just flashes I mean it's extended periods where she shows that she can lead the offense and have be confident and I think she's going to be great um continuing that role I just think everything opens up more when you have Diamond, who also has looked fantastic as a facilitator. I mean, she's had some turnovers that haven't been great, but at the same time, I mean, I feel like it. she's made a lot better decisions this year than she has in the, you know, in her first two years in the league. She just looks sharper in that area. And I think that like what Matt talked about when we had him on the podcast, is just that's also going to really open up her game and really take her to that superstar level that we anticipate her getting to so that probably adds another element to it but you can't replace Courtney Vandersloot but you got to figure something out that when she's not on the court I think a part of it too is that you have to have a primary scoring threat when you have that lineup without without Courtney and without Allie without Vanderquigs on the floor if Diamond can be that fantastic because anytime you have that you either have a player who's dangerous in the one-on-one or you have a player who's going to draw the defense and force double teams. You know, basketball is pretty simple. Either you have more talent than the other team at every position, which rarely happens, or you have talent that you can maximize and force the defense into compromising positions. And that's double teams, mismatches in the paint, right? So Diamond isn't at 100%. But if she can get to a spot on the floor where she knows she can score, the other team knows it too, that frees things up for the sky on the, uh, on the other side of the floor and on the perimeter, where we know they can hit shots. Simple as that, right? I should be a coach because I just diagnosed <laughs> exactly how this guy can succeed with this lineup. And now all James Wade needs to do is listen to our podcast and then he can follow this advice. <laughs> and then we got a championship in Chicago, right? It's, it's that easy. Chris, I, I see no flaws in your vision right now. Um, you know, I'm sure that James Wade listens to this podcast. I'm sure that every no. night, every, every single night, he re- he listens to the old episodes. You know, I mean, after he yeah, gets through he, the recent ones, he just goes right back to episode one. Oh, he's an not. old school Skyhook <laughs> fan. You know, like he's been he's been on it since before I got here. He's been on it since you were since you were kicking it with the like the the smooth um, the smooth <laughs> trance intro. Oh Jesus! Yeah the the riff I came up with when I was in college. Yeah, no. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> Glad we moved on from that. Um, oh, come on, man. Every day, hey, life's about progression, man. That's, uh, I'm glad that we've I've moved a little bit more uh, to the modern age with the new intro. But yeah, hey, we're, that's, we're building up the show, and hopefully uh, we'll get to the point where James Wade's actually listening to the show. So um, <laughs> We'll have him on the show one day. When we're in the offseason, we're going to get him on the show from France. That from is Russia. the goal. Hey, we have that open Google Doc of people that we hope to have on the show from reporters to players. So um, we probably won't get Courtney Vandersloot, but hey, maybe we'll get someone. Uh, I want to just get Cheyenne on the pod, man. She's oh, such a that joy. Would be fantastic. That would oh. be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we get, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll see if Kelly Kane will help us out. And shout out to her for the great work that she's uh, – all the work that she puts into making – this whole thing run i just can't imagine how difficult it's been <laughs> virtually especially but uh chris um is there anything that you want to talk about before we wrap all this up man we're, we're halfway through the season basically i know we talked about it and i wanted to ask about it in the pro- post-game presser last night even though i knew i wouldn't get a, an answer 
course. <laughs> but we're, we're pretty much halfway through the season. I don't see the sky getting swept by anybody. Um, I actually think that, you know, by the, by the time this edits, they'll probably have already beaten Connecticut. But I expect them to beat Connecticut. I expect them to beat New York twice. So if you just take that into account, that's three more wins. That puts them at nine for the season. 500 teams make the playoffs, but they're not looking to, they're not looking to just make the playoffs. They're looking to go to the finals. And it's, while it's hard for me to put them top two, I don't see them slipping out of the top four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, Oh, I don't, I don't see them slipping out of the top four. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I could really see the links slipping up a tiny bit, but they are getting Odyssey Sims back, honestly. So that could be a big addition for them having their points and assist leader from last year come back. But, Something that Ari Schwartz has brought up, um, is she willing to take on less of a, you know, not take on as substantial of a role when you see some of these other players? Like Crystal Dangerfield, we talked about it on your podcast uh, yesterday, just how she's someone that's really stepped up and is not looking like a second-round pick. She's clearly someone who can play in this league and will be here for a few, like at least a few years because she's looked fantastic and has been a great value pick for the Lynx so far. But yeah, I mean, I really do see the top four teams in the league being the Storm, Aces, Sky, and Sparks. Um, depending on if Diana Taurasi is able to return um, from her injury, and God, I hope she does. You know, despite she tore, <laughs> despite uh, the fact that she tore the Sky a little bit there, and uh, great actor, by the way, great actress. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's hey, man, it's okay because that. The flop against Slute, I mean, I think that Diane is oh, okay was... taking one hit there. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how the bottom half rounds out. I'm really – I love the Indiana Fever, man. Love the Indiana Fever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Mystics, I mean, I know they're kind of scuffling right now. But, I mean, they're, I mean, it's just a fun team to throw in the mix there too. So, but, yeah, the top four I'm pretty confident on. And I just, I'm just curious to see where the Sky end up, whether they're, they get that two seed or they – you know, stay where they're at in the four seed, but I, I can't imagine. Maybe they will at some point in the season dip to that five spot, but I have a hard time imagining that, especially after, you know, they played some tough teams so far already. And I mean, they've already faced the Storm, Lynx, Aces, Sparks, and Mercury, you know, like, <laughs> and the Mystics when they were hot. So it's just, you know, they are, they, they are due. They're due to face some of those uh, not as good teams, I'll just say, to put it lightly. So, um you, yeah. know, you know what the real test is for them? Seattle's, I'm going to say it, Seattle's probably going to win the chip. They're, they're going to be really hard to beat in a five-game series. Mm-hmm. But if the Sky can beat Minnesota once this year, that'll be a big step for them mentally. They couldn't beat the Lynx last year. Uh, that's in a full season. That's when they had their, their coming out party, the Sky did. And that's when they were a team that was very capable of beating Minnesota without Maya Moore. So they don't have Maya Moore again. Nafisa Collier's not doing as well as she did last year. They lost Kareem Christmas Kelly, unfortunately. And even with Crystal Dangerfield playing the way she is, Sylvia Fowles doing Sylvia Fowles things, and Odyssey Sims coming back, they need to beat Minnesota. That's going to prove they can stick with a team that bangs the boards, that's, that gums up the game, tries to play half court. Because the Sky kind of got forced into a half court game at times last night, and they were able to work through it. So if they can do the same thing against a team that likes to play that way and against one of the best coaches the league's ever seen, that's going to really cement them as a team that's not to be trifled with. I'm going to push back on that for a sec because I think this team, if I had a guess, and just based on what they've said in these post-game press conferences, they, I mean, we haven't seen this team at 100%. Like if you're, if they, again, not like with a team like the Storm and the Lynx, if you don't have so, – someone like Steph and Diamond at full force, I mean, I feel like it's kind of hard to to really judge where the team is at when you just don't have, like, two of, like, your top five, six players humming right now. You know, I think that is something that I think that when we, we talk about the Chicago Sky, I think they're looking more up at the storm and looking down at some of these other teams right now. Um, and, again, they're formidable opponents. Um, the Aces, again, the Asia Wilson – MVP campaign has been really, really fun to watch, man. Oh, her going against Candace Parker a couple games ago, Sparks versus Aces, was such a treat. And then you see her just going off against the Liberty and score over 30 points. I mean, she's just, oh, it's been, not going to lie, not having Liz Campage there 
has been yeah. it's been fun in the sense that we get to see Asia really turn in like show off her superstardom. And again, they will find a way to make that formula work, mm-hmm. you know, next season. And I hope that Liz comes back because who the fuck knows. Um, but the aces have been a fun team to watch. And, uh, but again, I, I just don't think the Chicago sky are looking at themselves as that two through four team. I think they do see themselves as like the second best team in the league. I mean, in terms of just being able to judge it based on not having their two, like, again, two of their top five players, um, you know, full go now. But, you know, Steph is going to come back. And then you're going to see Cheyenne do what she does best, that's being that bruiser coming off of the bench. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, too. And, again, those top six teams are – they're going to give it to you. And it's – um it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the way. I get so, so crazy that we're almost halfway through the season. Yeah, it really is. It's going to be fun for us to watch. Now we're in August. It's very fitting that we're in August because this is the grind time. This is the dog days <laughs> for everybody. Ugh, I'm dreading it, but Hey, at least we have basketball. So, um, Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me, man. And, um, you know, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at skyhookin, which is S K Y H O O K I N. Chris, how can people find you wherever you're at on social media these days? I'm on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. That's K W A N D A R Y Kitten on Twitter. Shout out Bradley University. I'm on Instagram, finally, after holding out for so long. Instagram handle is Jake25 Jake. T-W-O and the number five. And you can hit my line in my email. Send me good news, bad news, hate, love, whatever. C-J Pennant and the number five. P-E-N-N-A-N-T five at gmail.com. Great. Well, I know none of you are going to want to, you know, reach out to me. So I'll just leave it there. Um, so, <laughs> no, you can find me at Twitter at, at James underscore M underscore K-A-Y. And Please rate and review the show too when you get a chance. We'd love to hear back from you. And um, yeah, we're the show's available on Google Play or Google Podcasts now, I should say. It's transitioned to that. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And support the Winsider Podcast Network, which we are a part of. Um, I think that's all the plugs, Chris. I think it's all the plugs that I have in me at least today. So um, yeah, let's hop back on the pod soon, my man. All right, let's do it, man. I'll see you. Thank you.